Good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. So glad that you are here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And just like Alex said, uh, we are always thrilled and honored uh, when you join us on a Sunday. And we're so excited for those first-time guests. We know each and every weekend it's someone's first time. And uh, if Wendy and myself have not had an opportunity to meet you, we look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we are wrapping up our series called Subject to Change. I know you've been wondering, are we ever going to get there? Are the people of Israel ever going to make it into the promised land? Well, I know if this is your first time, you're thinking, well, great, I showed up at the last week. Let me just kind of give you, by way of review, what we've been looking at. Why, why do we do a series called Subject to change. Well, the first is this, is that change is something that we all experience. We're not going to get away from it. Uh, in fact, it seems to be consistent and constant. And the question is, how do we respond to it? The truth is, I've learned in my own life, I don't really respond to change as well as I'd like to think that I do. I, I have a harder time navigating it. And we've been looking at this, <clears throat> excuse me, by the backdrop of the people of Israel. This journey that they've been taking, and we've been looking as they were in bondage in Egypt and how God has been moving them from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. And, and they're about to come in. We have made it. They're coming into the promised land. It is a big moment. And, and I think about big moments. Think about the big moments in your life. Right, you, you know, maybe you go all the way back. You're in, you know, you're in middle school. You're gonna go into high school, or maybe you, you got your first car, or you know, you got married, your first child, your first big purchase. You bought a home, whatever it is. I think back to my first car. Now, my first car was a hand-me-down. I had to I had to work for it a little bit as my dad's old car is a 1986. Pontiac Grand Am. Now, I felt real powerful because it had Grand Am in it, you know. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, like most, you know, high school boys, you're thinking like, I got to get some rims and tires on it. I got to make it look cool, you know. But something tragic happened in between my junior and senior year. I'm driving, and someone runs a red light. Boom, hits me right in the driver's door. Now, I was okay. Everything was all right. Um... But, you know, we kind of had just kind of like, you know, the coverage where it was like, you know, liability or whatever it's called. So insurance wasn't going to fix it. Okay. So I'm going into my senior year, and it was like I still had like nine more months before inspection. Probably wouldn't have passed inspection. I don't know. Um, but I couldn't, needless to say, I couldn't open the driver's side door. So my whole senior year, guess what I got to do? There's no climbing Dude, I can't, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go to this side. And so, you know, I, I like to think of myself when I was in high school. My mom taught me, well, I had some chivalry. I'd open the door for the ladies when we'd go on dates, you know. But now, my senior years, I'm going on a date. I'd walk them to the passenger side door. And, and my heart was to open the door for them. But I'd open the door. Thank you so much. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on just a minute. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. I got to climb in here. Okay, come on in. Make sure you shut that door. I mean, I could, my door, I couldn't open it, and I couldn't roll down the window either. I mean, if I could at least roll down the window, i like, crawl in like Dukes of Hazard style, you know, then roll the window back up. Imagine your senior year. That's what it looked like. That's what it was for me. And I'm like, Dad, we got to do something. Like a car, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't play the, Dad, this ain't cool card. So I had to be like, Dad, this is not safe. I mean, this is really, so, so, all right, I had to work for it. We put some time and energy to it, and we bought 
my first car, I bought my first car with my dad. It was a night, that was an 86 Grand Am. I was bumping up. 1989 Escort. Wow, powerful. I, I felt real powerful. But it was an Escort GT. You didn't know they made those. I mean, it had ground effects. It was black. It was, I mean, I felt real powerful, man. It was, you know, I call it, it was black. It was really cool. Hatchback. I called it the Black Widow. Man, I was just like, man, this is awesome, you know. But there was one unique thing about the Black Widow. It was a standard. And I didn't know how to drive standard. So dad took me to an empty parking lot. And if any of you have learned how to drive standard or you're teaching your children how to drive standard and you don't have just a bunch of country property to drive on, you go to an empty parking lot. And so I'm on an empty parking lot. And you could only imagine. My dad had, let's just put it this way. Pops had to go to the chiropractor afterwards because getting out of first, we'd stall out. And I mean, I mean, it was just a mess. See, because here's what happened in this season. I now had a car. I owned a car, but there was one problem. I didn't know how to drive it. I owned a vehicle, but I didn't know how to actually possess it and utilize it. And I think that's what's happened to the people of Israel, and that's what can happen in our own life. You know God has promises for your life. And you want to own those promises. The question is, do you know how to possess the promises that God has for you? There are times where so many of us have got something that God is, just because you've got it, just because it's been given to you, doesn't actually mean you know how to possess it. It doesn't mean you know how to actually access it. That when it's time to utilize that, to lean on it, to stand on God's promises, do you know how to possess those promises? Do you know how to walk in those things? And that's where we look at the people of Israel. That They are in a place where they're about to finally make it in to the promised land. I've shared with you this map through the course of our journey to 0.5 million people. But through the course of this journey, only two of the original 2.5 make it into the promised land. 11-day journey turns into a 40-year wandering. The wilderness was part of the journey. They had to walk through it, but they didn't have to wander through it. And we've been looking at these people and these stories and the things that have been transpiring. And the New Testament actually tells us why we should do that. I mean, it's a significant story. It's a big story. You read about this story throughout the entirety of the Bible. The New Testament actually says, I want you to look at this story. I want you to recognize what's happening here because I want you to learn from them. In fact, these people are an example to you. And much of what they do is really an example of what not to do. But I want you to recognize that, see, the people of Israel had a promise that was given to them, but they didn't know how to possess it. They didn't know how to walk into the promised land and possess what God had for them. And so as we look at this story, as we wrap this up and we look at them now finally making it into the promised land, we recognize there's really two types of people in this story. There's two types of mentalities, two types of perspective. And I want us to be able to capture and recognize these two very distinct personalities, mentalities, perspectives, and groups of people and how they operated. You see, when we look at this story, 
one thing I want to kind of map out for you is this, is we have to recognize this story in its entirety, this journey that they're on, it's a type and shadow of what's to come with Jesus. Uh, let's look back at this Exodus story, and, and we'll start at the very beginning where you have Passover. And, and Passover was this moment in Egypt where Jesus or Moses is coming and he says, listen, let my people go, Pharaoh. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. And finally he says, if you don't let them go, the death angel is going to pass by. And all firstborns are going to be killed. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses and the people of Israel said, put the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb, sacrifice, put that blood over the door and the death angel will pass by. Well, Passover is more than just simply the blood of the lamb over a door. It signifies Jesus who would be the lamb of God that would pay the the ultimate sacrifice and pay a price for you and for me that we could not pay. So Passover is a type and shadow of Jesus. But that's not the only time that we see that in this Exodus story. You have the Red Sea. Pharaoh finally relents, says, okay, I'll let the people go. Moses takes the people, 2.5 million people. Imagine, think about your family trips you take. Imagine taking a family trip, 2.5 million. I mean, that's a whole lot of are we there yet, okay? They're on their way, and all of a sudden, they come to this place called the Red Sea. Moses takes his rod. God says, stick it in the sea. Pharaoh and the Egyptians are chasing them down. Boom, parts the Red Sea, they walk on dry land. Well, that's a type and shadow of what happens when we walk through to the other side of what God has in store for us when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's symbolic of a baptism. In baptism, when we go down and come back up, the old dead man is gone and the new has come because of what Jesus has done in our life. It's a type and shadow of that passing through. We read in this story while they're wandering through the desert, they're going, we're hungry, they're complaining. All these things are transpiring and going on, and what happens? They say, we're hungry, God, so what does God do? He provides manna from heaven. He gives them food to eat every single day. But Jesus says, wait, 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 I, I, you may be hungry physically, but there is a bread greater. I am the bread of life. I will give you life, and life more abundantly. So the manna is a type and shadow of what Jesus will ultimately do for us in meeting our needs, supplying our need, and satisfying what only he can satisfy. But then it comes to this moment where they're about to come in, into the promised land. And, and really what I want us to get is what we're getting to the whole reason for this series. All of this, unpacking this journey and recognizing what's transpiring and what's happening is this. They're about to come into the promised land. And what we have to recognize is the promised land is more than just a menu. Because the promised land was described as an area flowing with milk and honey. But it's more than a menu and it's more than a geographical location. We've been looking at a map, but it's more than just a particular area. You see, God's desire is this. God's desire is not just to set you free, but to bring you into the fullness of everything he has in store for you in Jesus. That when we walk into the promise of who Jesus is and who he is to us, we walk into the fullness of what he has in store for us. So the promised land and what we're about to unpack and talk about today is more than just celebrating. They finally made it. It's more than that. 
It's recognizing the promise that is only found in Jesus. I want you to open up your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to give you just a little plot spoiler. As you're turning there, I'm going to read for you out of Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to go to the end of the story. I'm going to tell you how this story ends. So as you're turning there, as you're, as you're looking it up, you can look on the screen, Joshua 24. We can look and you can see on the screen behind me and, and, and to the side of me, and we'll read it together, Joshua 23 verse 14. It says, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord gave you has failed. Not one. All the promises that he said, not one has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. You see, everything we've been looking at, why have we been doing this study? See, because what I love about it is we've been learning together. We've been reading that maybe even a story or a movie that you've seen, it's more than Charlton Heston or a Disney movie. You may have known the context. You may have known some ideas about it. You may have known about Moses and the people of Israel and the Dead Sea and all these things. But what we've been learning is how to read this word. How to unpack what is actually happening in this word. And be able to look in God's word and see how this applies to us. What he just said, everything that he promised came to pass. In the middle of these people, in the middle of what they're doing, going, you know what? We think there's a whole other way that we can go about this. You know what? We're going to create this golden calf. In the middle of all their complaining, in the middle of all the things that they were experiencing, going, nothing is enough. I want more. I want more. Yet in the middle of all of those things, what happened? It says that God's promises still came to pass. He was faithful. So it wasn't God that they experienced what they experienced. It, it was an issue within the people. And so as we look at this story, we recognize that all of his promises came through. God did what he said he was going to do. So now we look, and here they are. They're about to cross into the promised land. And I want us to look in Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to see what begins to happen as now they finally are about to cross over. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. It says, Moses my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israel, give to them, to the Israelites. So here's Moses. He's dead. They finally made it. Not all of them are going in. Remember what I said, 2.5, but only two of the original 2.5 cross in. So here is this whole series of events that have been transpiring, finally leading to this moment. And now he's about to tell them, here's what I want you to do to be able to cross over. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to respond, to cross into God's promises. Now, why would he do this? He says, you're about to cross over. But I want to give you a distinction. Here's why. Because there's a difference between wilderness thinking and promised land thinking. There's a difference. He's saying, listen, there's a different way. There's a difference in wilderness thinking, complaining thinking, never satisfied, and promised land thinking. There's a difference in complaining about what I don't have and actually possessing the promises that God has in store for me. There's a different way of thinking. 
There's a different mentality. And now he's going to say, here, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you what it is you need to do in order to actually cross over and go into this land. We pick up in verse 8. It says, I, I want you to keep this book of the law always on your lips and meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, why does he say, I want this word to always be on your lips? Because whatever is inside our heart will come out of our mouth. If, if you get that word inside your heart, it's going to begin to come out of your mouth. Whatever is stored up inside of here, it's only a matter of time before that's what comes out of your mouth. And so God is saying, <clears throat> I want that word to be on your lips. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to think about it. That word meditate in the original text, in the original Hebrew lexicon, is it, it almost symbolizes like to chew on. Okay? You ever had a midge? Mmm, that's just good. You know, you go over and get you a good steak or whatever it may be. You just kind of, when was the last time you just started just chewing on God's word? Over and over. God, what are you saying? What are you showing? What are you trying to speak to me? That's what God's saying. If you're going to cross over, then you need to have this word in your life. He says, if you'll do this, then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I love that because, look, change is scary. Here they are. They're now about to cross over. They're going in to the promised land. And yet, what God is telling Joshua, he's saying, listen, I want you to be bold and courageous. Know that I'm with you. Wherever you may go, know that I am with you. You see, in the middle of change, in the middle of transition, in the middle of your difficult time, just recognize this. God's with you and he's for you. We've all been there. Have you been in change or transition before? You may be in the middle of it right now. Whether good or bad, whether you recognize it or not, God is with you and he is for you. So it's time now. They're, they're going to cross over. And I love the Joshua generation. I love how they navigate this. So watch what happens in Joshua chapter 3. Verse 15, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Now that's significant. It's at flood stage. If you've ever seen the Jordan River, the Jordan River is a significant river. It's large. You can drown in the river. Okay? It's not like a little bubbling brook. You just kind of walk over trying not to get your shoes wet. Okay? It is a legit river. And it's at flood stage. Yet watch what begins to happen. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the sea of the Areba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. So as we look at this story, and we're going to talk about Jericho in, in just a little bit. But here they are, they cross over. And it's almost symbolic to also what transpires. It's like a redo of the Red Sea. There's this crossing over. And now they're moving into the promised land and what God has in store for them. You see, what we have to begin to recognize and see is this. Is you can be set free and still stuck in a wilderness mentality. Promised land people think differently. 
So you can call it whatever you want. You can call it promised land people, wilderness people. You can call it Moses' generation, Joshua generation. You can call it the older generation, the new generation. You can call it those who win, those who don't, whatever you want to call it. What I want you to see is in God's word, he's showing us there is a contrast between those who went into the promise and possessed God's promise for their life and those who did not. So what do we learn from that? However you want to call, whatever you want to call it, however you want to break it down, there is a significant contrast. Now, we've been looking at and, and unpacking what it looks like. We've seen over the last six weeks, okay, I recognize what I do not want to do, okay? How many of you know it's better to learn from someone else's mistakes than your own, okay? Okay, someone once said, you know, it's like, well, you know, experience is the greatest teacher. No, experience is the most cruel teacher. Okay, that's like going and getting the test before you get the lesson, okay? So young people in here, just a side note, okay? If you're thinking, well, I just got to experience it myself for me to know. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. I'm going to get in trouble for staying dumb now, okay? You don't have to learn that way. God didn't intend for you to have to experience the pain of that. If you'd seek wisdom, if you'd learn, if you'd listen again, what did the New Testament writers say? Learn from the example of these people. Because experience is the most cruel teacher. And when we don't take and look at God's word and recognize and see, what can we learn from that? Then we don't make the adjustments that we should along the way. So we've seen, hey, here's some things that I want to make sure I don't do. And we've pulled away some things that principally we want to make sure that we apply to our life. But what I want to do is over the next few moments, I want to unpack this contrast for you. I want you to be able to see and recognize the difference between wilderness and promised land. The, the different mentality, when I have a wilderness mentality, because you can be set free. Being set free is only the beginning. You can be set free and still have a wilderness mentality in how you operate, how you process a situation, and how you recognize what God is actually wanting to do. Here's the first contrast I want you to see is that wilderness people... Constantly are complaining and negative, but promised land people have courage in the word. You see, there's this negativity that surrounds you. In fact, some of you may be familiar with this phrase, negativity bias. Here's what negativity bias is. It's a tendency for humans to pay more attention or to give more weight to the negative experiences over neutral or positive experiences. To sum that up, losing hurts more than winning feels good. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? When you're focused on, on I don't want to lose, okay? I, I've been telling you, pray for your pastor. My longhorns, they're not real good. You know it. If you watched any type of sporting event, when you play not to lose, it's only a matter of time before you're going to lose. God intended for you to possess the promises he has for you and for you to play to win. Well, if you're going to play to win, you got to possess what God has in store for you. How do you do that? There's a different mentality. There's a different way of thinking. You're not focused on the negativity. You're not focused on complaining. What you're focused on is courage and the word. It's a shift in your attitude. Last week we talked about attitude of gratitude. What do we say? An attitude is what? It's a settled way of thinking about someone or something. I've settled. Here's how I'm going to think about it. Here's how I'm going to focus on it. Here's how I'm going to view this, and here's what I'm going to put things, how I'm going to put things into perspective. You see, yeah, you, you're going to need to process. You, you know, you may be saying, Pastor Chris, should I not process out loud? No, you can process. Don't just process with everyone. 
And posting on social is not processing. Okay? Talk to someone. You, you just throwing out there and post. Like, that, that ain't pro- You need to process. When you process properly, you'll possess. But you're wondering, why am I not possessing God's promises in my life? Perhaps it's the things that you're listening to, the things you're looking at. It's you're like, you drink, chewing, scroll. Okay, all the, just, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Just stop the negativity. You got to turn it off. Because if not, you're going to be prone to dialing into that. And what ends up happening is it begins to fuel you. And it's the wrong mentality that you want. You want a pro- And what happens is that courage, it's rooted in God's word. Be strong and courageous is what God told Joshua. Not because he was just experienced. He'd never done this before. He had never, wa- now here he is. I mean, it basically, Moses is dead, period. Moving on. You're up, buddy. Next man up, you're up. 40, I mean, think, just wrap your brain around. Th- th- this guy has been the leader for 40 years. Boom, he's dead, you're up, lead him in. Try and wrap your brain around that. So he's saying, look, it's going to be scary, but you can be bold and courageous because I'm with you. My word. Now, how is he with us today? It's this word that he's given us. We can walk and access this and operate in the promises that he's given us. And so what begins to happen is we recognize this is not just about mental toughness. That's not what I'm talking about. This is about a confidence in the Lord and your strength and courage is found in him. Because when you do, you end up taking next steps. That's why you hear us talk about it all the time. I'm so proud of you. So many people taking next steps, going through 101 and 201 in the middle of 301. And you're going, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, so you're telling me, you know, I can be a promised land person if I'm serving at Milestone Church. No, no, you're missing it. At the end of the day, what we want for you is not that you come and listen to me talk every week. Not that if we... Connect and and stream in from our Keller campus here from Pastor Jeff or a guest speaker. It's not that you're just here. What we want you to do, the goal is not you come and listen to me. The goal is not you come and go, oh, Milestone Church, yay. No, it's that you actually know how to access this word. Apply it to your life. Do what it actually says. Because when you do, you know what happens? That as you navigate change, as you walk into new seasons, you actually possess God's promises, rather than being like 17-year-old Chris Lerma who had a car, a black widow, but couldn't drive it. How many promises do you have that God's going, I have in store for you that you're not even possessing because you don't know how to get into this word? That's why we, that's why we do growth track, to teach you how to get into this word. That's why we have, we're not looking to build a, a, a serve team just so we have a great volunteer base. It's so that you access operating the gifts and design and how God uh, uh, made you. It's so that you can build a relationship and connect with other people so that as Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, you can represent the manifold wisdom of God. That's why we do what we do so you can walk in it. Walk in it so you can possess those promises. That's the difference. The first contrast is complaining and, and griping. And, or you have courage and you stand upon God's word. Second is this. It, it, the, the contrast is wilderness people retreat and operate out of fear. Whereas promised land people, they're forward in their faith. You see, God's not asking you to know everything about everything. 
He's just asking you, like I said, just take a step. Grow in your relationship with him. Recognize that God is faithful. There are so many opportunities you have to throw in the towel. So many opportunities to quit. It's hard. It can be hard. It can be challenging. It can be difficult. But I'm just telling you, something happens when you begin to recognize if I'll embrace the pain of the process, that's what's hard. You want to know why sometimes it's so much easier to quit? And Because there is, I, I like to put it this way. It's not a real encouraging phrase sometimes when you look at it. But it's the pain of patience. I'm not a very patient individual by nature. Outside of like the help of the Holy Spirit. Which means I need his help a lot. Especially when I'm driving. Just ask my kids. I just, sorry, I'm being transparent. But the pain of patience when I'm in this process, God, i got to trust you. God, I'm trusting. Even if things don't work out the way that I want, and even if I don't see things happening in the way and time in which I want, I still trust you. If you will embrace the pain of the process, and you'll embrace the pain of needing to access and operate with patience, then what begins to happen is you'll continue to move forward in faith rather than reject and push back and retreat because you have fear. There are so many opportunities for you to be able to do that. But what begins to happen is you got to first understand where are you at in this journey. This map that we've been showing you over and over is not so it can be like a map in the back of your Bible. You may not even know. Did you know you got maps in the back of your Bible? How many of you ever looked at the map in your Bible? Probably not. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, well, you know, I like, you know, to read by, you know, I, I like illustrated books, you know, helps me read, you know. So it's like I started reading my Bible. I just read the maps, not because there was anything to read, but I could look at it, you know. It made sense to me versus all this other stuff. I'm like, I don't get it. We didn't give you this map and keep looking at it over and over and over so it's like a map in the back of your Bible. That map is to show you where you're at. It's kind of like the other day I, I, I took... One of my little girls on our daddy-daughter date. So she wanted to go to a bookstore, close bookstore, Barnes & Noble in Stonebriar. So we go in there. Well, Stonebriar, it's got, there's a mall there. I mean, so I said, baby, I'm going to show you what mom and daddy used to do back in the day when you went out on dates. You know what you did? You walked around the mall. I was like, I ain't been to a mall and I don't know how long, you know. So we walk around the mall, and, and, but I didn't know where anything was at. It was the first time in the mall. So when you walk in the doors, you know what I'm talking about? You have this big glowing kiosk, and it's got a map on it. And every map, whether you're in a mall, an airport, whatever it may be, you know what it does? The first place you're looking at, you're looking for that red dot, red square, red X that says, you are here. You want to know why we showed you that map and helped you see this journey? Because we want to help you see where you are at on this journey. You may go, oh, promised land. I, I want the promised land. That's what I want. That's good. That's what we want for you too. But can I tell you something? You need to get out of Egypt first. Because you're in bondage and you locked up in things. And until you walk in freedom and wholeness, you can't even start the journey to walk to the promised land. So that's great you want to be in the promised land. But you need to get out of bondage first. You need to get out of Egypt first. You see, when I recognize here's where I'm at on the journey, that may be a harsh reality, but can I tell you, God's not surprised by it. And when God puts people around you and you're part of a spiritual family, again, why we do what we do. I'm not worried about where you're at on the journey. You may be in bondage in Egypt. So was I. 
You may be in the middle of this journey. You may have been wandering in the wilderness. You're like, Pastor Chris, I ain't at 40, but I'm hitting 35 years now, just wandering around. Okay, well, let's break that cycle. You got to know where am I at because when you know where you're at, you can go, okay, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be, so I'm just going to keep moving forward in faith. I'm just going to keep taking steps in faith. I'm going to keep trusting God in faith. I'm going to keep going to the word. I'm going to keep learning how to pray. I'm going to keep building a relationship. I'm going to take those next steps. I'm going to go to Grow Track. I'm going to go and start serving. I'm going to become a part of a small group. I'm going to serve when there's opportunities to serve. You know what? Veterans Luncheon, they're doing a event. You know what? I'd love to do Can I host a table at Veterans Luncheon? I didn't even know hosting a table was a thing. But if it is, can I do that? Yes, you can. Okay. You just keep taking steps. Wilderness people, fear, move back. Promising people, move forward in faith. Here's the thing is when you begin to recognize this, this generation, what I love is the Joshua generation, you know, on this map, they're crossing over. Remember the Jordan was what? It was at flood stage. So it wasn't easy. So don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Pastor Chris, you're all excited and passionate. It must be real easy to move forward in faith. No, it wasn't just a, Jordan River wasn't just a river they had to cross. It was a river that was at flood stage. And yet they did what God asked them to do. They went and possessed the promise. Because when you do that, here's a third contrast. Wilderness people think me. But promise land people think we and us. You see, the previous generation was always concerned about their own self-preservation. They only thought about themselves. They, they live the life, they live their life to preserve themselves, and that's why they were so afraid. Afraid about what they were going to lose, and every obstacle they saw, they only viewed through the lens of me, myself, and I. Uh, side note is I was thinking about you and praying for you. Here's what I want you to, to, to grasp and understand and recognize. What begins to happen? Some of us grew up in an environment or a context where we experienced things that caused us trauma and harm. We had, to, we had to take care of ourselves, fend for ourselves. Maybe even at a young age, having worked with people and walked with people for so long, over 20 years, Wendy and I both, the things that people had to experience, especially when we walk with adults, grown individuals who experience things they should have never experienced as children. There's some things that you begin to learn and ways in which you begin to adapt along the way. What begins to happen is if you experience that, you begin to operate out of a survival mentality, which is understandable. But can I tell you what happens? This is why we encourage you. Freedom Weekend. Why do we encourage you? Get into a freedom group. Because there's some trauma in there. And what happens is unless you walk in healing from that trauma, then you live with a survival mentality. You live with a survival mentality long enough, you know what that produces? Self-preservation. You know what that produces? Self-absorption. And then what that ends up producing is you don't even realize everything in your world, you are well-meaning, but everything is surrounded and created around yourself to insulate yourself to protect you and you wonder why do I wrestle with being so selfish you didn't start out that way you didn't wake up one day I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt maybe you did I just it's all about me it's just I'm just selfish you know it's just about me you're a good mom you're a good dad you're a good husband good wife you're doing the best you can but I'm telling you, the byproduct, the reason you're operating and responding the way you are is because there's something inside that's wounded. 
And until you resolve and deal with that, it's only going to feel this. And I'm telling you, this is the one that will get you more than any other one. You're like, man, I, I want to be a promised land person. I mean, well, I want to possess. I want to apply. And you don't even realize the enemy has crept in and has caused this mentality to linger. And you've been set free. And you serve. And you got your little serve team lanyard on. And you help out. And you play an instrument. And you sing a song. And you lead a team. But yet inside you are beat down, hurt, wounded, just trying to survive. And it's created a me, 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 me mentality. But a promised land mentality says, no, 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 we and us. You see, because when that happens, you begin to do things differently. They cross into the promised land. Joshua 5 and 6, they come to this city called Jericho. Massive city. If you know anything about the story, they tell this story that the walls of Jericho were wide enough for them to have chariot races on. They were significantly tall. It was this fortified city. And here's what Joshua tells the people. Hey, we're going to do things a little different. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the worship team together. Well, I'm not on the worship team. You are now. I would have loved this because this is my moment. I'm part of the worship team now. He said, we're going to walk around these walls, and we're just going to sing, and we're going to shout, and we're going to declare God's goodness, and those walls are going to come tumbling down. Can I tell you, some of you need to start declaring and singing and shouting and watching the walls in your life begin to come down because you get your mind and your thoughts off of me, and you start thinking what can happen and what freedom can be experienced because I'm thinking about we and us. And listen, can I tell you the first place you're going to experience that freedom? In your family. Now, your kids are going to have to walk through it themselves. they got to walk their own, their own path. But can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be as overgrown as it was for you. You can get in there with the Holy Ghost and a word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And you just, little Holy Ghost machete and just start clearing the way. Now, they got to walk it, but it doesn't have to be overgrown. Like it was for you. And I'm sorry someone didn't do that for you. But you know what? God's not surprised. And he will empower you to be able to do it so you can do it for them coming behind you. Because that leads to the fourth contrast and the fourth difference is this. Wilderness people think immediate gratification, a scarcity mindset, and limited perspective. But promised land people, they think generational blessing and transfer of values. You see, here's what I've learned through this whole journey. It's so much bigger than us. I, I want to encourage you, don't ever forget your decision to follow Jesus impacts more than just you. Your decision to follow Jesus impacts more than just you. There is a generational transfer. There's a generational impact. There are things, it's what I just got done saying. Your kids are going to have to walk their own path, but it doesn't have to be overgrown like it was for you. You can blaze your trail. And what happens is when you're promised land, you're not, you're, it's a little overwhelming. I mean, it's daunting. There's a lot there. I get it. But through the help of the Holy Spirit, through being a part of something bigger than yourself, through living this word and knowing how to access and possess these promises, you can begin to see God do a work that gives and leads to a generational impact. Watch what happens. Back to Joshua 24, verse 28 and 29. It says, And Joshua dismissed the people, 
get this, each to their own inheritance. And after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Each to their own inheritance. You see, it wasn't just they experienced and embraced the promised land corporately. There was an inheritance that they had of their own. There was something specific and unique that God had in store for each of them. There, there's a value. You see, when, when we become, yes, we're a Joshua generation. Yes, we want to be a Joshua church. We're going to possess God's promise. But can I tell you something? There's something unique and personal that God has for you. There's an inheritance he has for you. There's something that he's called you to do. Someone he's called you to be. A way in which he's called you to operate. And what happens is when you have a promised land mentality, you begin to possess those things. You have no idea what God can do in, in through your life. If you just show up and you'll just possess those promises. I want you to ask yourself, where am I at? Where am I at on that map? Am I in Egypt still in bondage? Am I stuck in the wilderness kind of in a rut going round and round and round? Have I been set free but I still have a wilderness mentality and it's hindering me from possessing what God has in store for me? Or are you like that Joshua generation? God, I'm going to cross over. It looks a little crazy. Change is hard. I mean, it's a little scary. I mean, you're telling me be bold and crazy. God has told him three times. I don't think it's because God stutters. It's because he was trying to emphasize a point. You're going to need some courage. You're going to need some boldness. But it's not going to be because you're just so equipped and have it all figured out. It's because I'm with you. Can you live for more than just a moment? You see, wilderness people, they can't get past how they feel right now. Promised land, I'm living for where we're going. I'm blazing a trail for those coming behind me. I'm thinking about us. 